Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. We don't hear much preaching on repentance, do we? People don't seem to want that kind of message. Uh, We like to be reinforced in our own prejudices and desires. Who wants to come and hear a message of repentance? What does John say? What does God say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Today, most people would say that repentance is an old-fashioned word. But repentance is essential to receiving the forgiveness of God. Today on The Verdict, we're beginning a new series on the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. But we're starting with a lesson on John the Baptist and the message of repentance. Why start here? Let's join Pastor John Monroe so he can explain. Today, I'm excited that we're starting 2024 by beginning a new series of messages from the Gospel according to Matthew. For a number of weeks, we're going to be focusing on the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Some describe it as the greatest sermon ever preached. But before we get to the Sermon on the Mount, I think it is interesting and helpful to note the context. So, in this new series, we're beginning earlier in Matthew, where we learn of a strange character commonly called John the Baptist. I admire his courage as he's spiritually preparing the way for Jesus as he's going to point people to the Lamb of God. Join me now as we begin in Matthew chapter 3. With Matthew chapter 3, we come to, I think, one of the most fascinating characters in all of Scripture. And I've long admired this man. I realize he is a Baptist, but he, he and I have the same name, and some of my best friends are Baptists. He is Christ-centered, he is focused, he lives a life of self-denial, a life of non-conformity, a life of humility. It was John the Baptist who said of our Lord, he must increase, but I must decrease. That is, Jesus must become more and more important as I become less and less important. And indeed, his ministry is a remarkable one but it's a very, very short one. And we certainly need to hear his central message. What does John say? What does God say? Something we don't particularly want to hear, I would suggest to you. His message can be summed up in one word. Repent. Repent. Let's read the first 12 verses then of Matthew chapter I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Matthew records, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit 
in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his sweet into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Strong words coming from this man we call John the Baptist. First of all, think of his command, the central command to repent. Now, who is this man, John the Baptist, who speaks in such strong terms to the religious establishment of the day? Well, we know quite a bit about John the Baptist. He is, in fact, the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was prophesied by another prophet in the Old Testament called Malachi. In fact, turn just over back two pages in your Bible, two or three pages. If you're in Matthew, as I hope you are, you will come to Malachi. Malachi chapter three, one verse, the first verse. Malachi three verse one. Behold, I send my messenger, that's John the Baptist. Here's the prophecy. 400 years before John appears, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. Prophesied by Malachi. And he in fact dresses like an Old Testament prophet, particularly like the Old Testament prophet Elijah, who also wore, as John wears, a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt about his waist. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 14, that John is the Elijah who is to come. And John has a very focused mission in life. He is to prepare the way for the Messiah. He's not the Messiah, he's going to make that clear, but he comes as the forerunner of the Messiah, of Jesus the Christ. Yes, he's God's messenger. He's a man prepared by God, and now he comes in a very short and a very dramatic ministry. He is the Messiah's advance man. Notice what we read in verse three. This is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now I think we can understand what it is to be an advance man before the arrival of a dignity, such as a emperor or a governor or a king, or we would say as a president, the way is prepared. Any debris on the road would be cleared. The potholes would be filled. The rough places would be smoothed out. Preparation is made. That's the picture. The great Messiah is about to come. And John is the advance man. 
John goes ahead to prepare a way for the Lord, to prepare the nation spiritually so that when the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ, comes, they will hear, they will confess, and they will receive him. He wants to prepare the hearts of the people. Why? Because the king is about to come. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't you find it interesting that when John comes, as he's sent by God, this great Old Testament prophet, his preaching doesn't take place in the temple, doesn't even take place in the center of Jerusalem in the capital. It doesn't even take place in the beautiful hills of Galilee. It takes place in the wilderness. And that's where John had lived for several years a life of self-denial, a life eating locusts and wild honey. The wild honey sounds okay to me. Locusts, I'm not so sure about. That's what he lived on. He himself is being spiritually prepared. And now all of a sudden, as it were, he bursts onto the scene. What's his message? Verse two, repent, repent. That's his first recorded words. According to Matthew, repent. Look at chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 17. As the Lord Jesus comes, what does he say? What's his message? From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remarkable, isn't it? It has been 400 years and there's been no prophet. For 400 years in Israel, God, as it were, had been silent. No messengers. And now there comes this one, prophesied by Isaiah, prophesied by Malachi, and God has prepared this special messenger that we know as John the Baptist. This strange man, wearing very strange clothes, eating strange food, living in a strange place. And what's he saying? Repent, repent. We don't hear much preaching on repentance, do we? In today's user-friendly, seeker-friendly churches, people don't seem to want that kind of message. Uh, we like to be reinforced in our own prejudices and desires. We like to feel comfortable uh, we want to leave feeling good about ourselves. We want to feel being pumped up with some kind of emotion. Who wants to come and hear a message of repentance? But that's John's message. And it's a message from God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Life cannot go on as it has been going on, John is saying. You must repent. Now, the etymology of this Greek word translated repent has the thought of changing one's mind. But in the biblical context, repentance is not merely an intellectual matter. Don Carson in his commentary in Matthew states that repentance, says Don Carson, is a radical transformation of the entire person, a fundamental turnaround involving mind and action and including over times of grief, which results in fruit 
in keeping with repentance. I think John the Baptist would agree. Isn't that his message? Repent, repent. There has to be a fundamental change. Now this word repent is an important word in Scripture. Turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The importance of repentance in Scripture. Acts 2 is the day of Pentecost. Peter is preaching the gospel. What's his message? Acts 2, 38. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Verse 30. Here is Paul in Mars Hill. Some of us were there just a few months ago in Athens. He's speaking to skeptics. Peter is preaching to Jews in Acts chapter 2. But here is Paul speaking primarily to Gentiles. What's his message? Acts 17 verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Wouldn't you love to hear Paul's message? Acts chapter 20, here's Paul with the elders at Ephesus. What's he saying to them? Acts 20 verse 21 testifying both to Jews and to Greeks. Message is to both. What's the message, Paul? Of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 26, here's Paul giving his testimony before King Agrippa. What would you say to a king? Well, you've got to be very sensitive to a king. I mean, you can't antagonize the king, can you? Acts 26, verse 19, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the regions of Judea, and also to the Gentiles. Notice the expanding influence of the gospel, a working out of Acts 1.8. What's the message? To Damascus, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. That sounds very much like John the Baptist in Matthew 3, doesn't it? And then a word from Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Well, let me read verse 8. Don't overlook this one fact, beloved that with the Lord one day is, a th is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. God is patient towards us. Do you know why He's patient? Do you know what He wants us to do? Not wishing that any should perish. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. God doesn't want anyone to perish, but that 
2 Peter 3, 9, but that all should reach repentance. Repentance. It's the message of the gospel, isn't it? It involves a turning from ourselves, a turning from our sin, a turning from our own agenda, and a turning from them to God and His grace. And we who profess to be followers of Jesus are to live lives of daily repentance. That was the first thesis of Martin Luther's 95 Thesis. There it is. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, Luther knew his Bible. He translated it into German, Matthew 4, 17. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. When you read the, the letters by John to the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, chapters 2 and 3, of the seven letters, five of them are saying to churches, repent, repent. So repentance is not confined to the sinner coming to Christ. Yes, if you're not saved, you must repent. But this message of repentance is for all of us. We're to live a daily life of repentance. You say, but why should we repent? John gives us the answer in Matthew 3, verse 2. Why? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The important point John is making is that in Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world, the kingdom of heaven has come. With Jesus coming to earth that we celebrated at Christmas, with the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, the King, King Jesus, has come into human history. The age to come, the future age, has impacted and is impacting the present age. Do you get it? Now, the kingdom of God was prophesied in the Old Testament. And it's interesting that when Jesus begins his ministry, as recorded by Mark in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The Old Testament era is now over. In Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. Where Jesus rules, where his will is obeyed, there is the kingdom. In Jesus, this is mind-blowing in its implications, isn't it? In Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heaven is invading the earth. There's the old hymn, heaven came down and glory dwelt filled our souls. In Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the person of Jesus and the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus are all testifying that the kingdom of God has come. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 as he speaks to the critical Pharisees who were so quick to find fault with him. Matthew 12, verse 28, he says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
And indeed, in Jesus, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven has come. But you say, I thought the kingdom was future. That's right, the kingdom is future. The kingdom has come, but it hasn't come in all of its fullness. One future day, the rule and reign of the King of kings and Lord of lords will be evident to the whole world. Is it evident today that King Jesus is reigning? Is it evident today that the kingdom of God has come? Doesn't seem like it, does it? It seems that evil, it seems that Satan, it seems that violence, it seems that wrong, it seems that sin so often reigns. But the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And at his second coming, the kingdom of God which came with his incarnation, that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God will be displayed in all of its glory, in all of its power, and all of its splendor. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wouldn't that be a glorious day? The kingdom of God. Now, do you get the point? Do you get the point of, of John's burden? He's telling them, the king is coming. The Messiah is coming. The kingdom of heaven is near. So what? Repent, repent. Get ready to receive the king. You cannot continue, as John is making clear, you can't continue to live as you once lived. Life can't continue in your own little kingdom now, having regard to this momentous fact that the kingdom of God has come and that the kingdom and that the king is about to be announced. The command is to repent. Now, what, what is John asking? What's the evidence of this repentance? Well, I'll mention three things, three interlocking things. First of all, confession of sin. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, it's time to prepare. It's time spiritually to prepare for the arrival of the King Messiah. What does that mean? It's time to repent. It's time to confess your sins. This is The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and a message titled, Repent. We'll get to the final half on tomorrow's program. And of course, you can always catch up on any of these daily messages by going to our website at theverdict.org. And to go along with this new study on the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, we'd like to send you a special resource that goes hand in hand with our series. It's a booklet from John called Life in the Kingdom, and it will help you dig deeper into the teaching of Jesus on what it really means to follow Him and apply His practical teaching to your life every day. And right now, we're offering this to our listeners absolutely free. So request your copy of Life in the Kingdom or simply download it online when you go to our website at theverdict.org. And we also invite you to join us in what God is doing through these daily biblical messages by supporting us with a financial gift. Your generous contributions will help keep these gospel messages on the air in your local community and enable us to reach new listeners across the globe. You can make a special New Year's donation today by going online to theverdict.org. Or you can give over the phone by dialing us at 833-551-2231. 
or send a donation in the mail to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. And by the way, make sure you've subscribed to The Verdict Podcast. You'll find us on most podcast apps by searching for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? What do you think of this idea of repentance? Do you think it's an old-fashioned word? Certainly, we don't hear it in today's preaching, but it's a biblical word and an essential concept if we're going to live lives pleasing to the Lord and enter the kingdom of heaven. We must turn from our sin and acknowledge our need for a Savior, repent, and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't forget to tune in next time as we continue to consider this message of repentance. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.